Well, I tell you what, I have always enjoyed the Word of God and being able to share the Word of God. That's always been uh, a joy of my life. I think probably when I was about nine years old, I really had to begin feeling that the Lord was calling me into missions, and that came to fruition later on in my life as I served in Haiti. And so at a young age, I just felt like, I, you know, I'm very thankful. I felt like the, the hand of the Lord was, uh, it was on me and that he was tapping on my heart in a very special way. By the time I was 12, and I've heard Daryl talk about, you know, how when he first started preaching, how old he was. Well, I was about 12 when I, I gave my first message. I said, we were living in um, Illinois. And, and uh, I, I know you guys are thinking, well, yeah, right, okay, 12 years old, you know. Well, uh, I went in the backyard, and I had a cardboard box, and that was my church. And I decided that the neighbor friend, she was Catholic, and I didn't know that there was any difference by that time. I was kind of naive to those kind of things, Catholics and Protestants. So uh, I invited her to my church. And so I had to incorporate some of the Catholic. I think, I, I think we had water in the back or something that they do, and I really didn't know anything about it. And she came to church, and we were inside the cardboard box and, and opened scripture, and I read some Bible to her, and we had our little church there. And then we had an, I had an informer that told about uh, our church service, and I was dismantled because they found out that I also incorporated a candle in my, car, in my cardboard box as part, as part of the service, and the informer decided that that was probably a little bit too dangerous, and thus the end of my preaching career at 12 then. <laughs> I have I've always loved the Word of God and it's always a joy to me to be able to bring the Word of God and to share the Word of God you know without the Word of God we're very blessed there have been people that have lived you know in times where they did not have the Word of God or in places they did not have the Word of God I love the Word of God and I love to be able to share this morning I want to talk just a, a little bit about the kind of the day in which we're living I know if any of you are watch the news and are aware of the situation that's going on, I tell you what, we're in a mess. We are in a mess. I don't think there's any other way to, to put it more, more accurately than the other than in our nation. We are a mess. There's a lot going on. We see the, the riots that are going on. We see the turmoil, the trouble, the lack of peace. We see a lot of uh, fighting and different and, uh, divisions that are going on. And you know, a lot of times the temperature of the nation is reflected by the temperature of the church. And that's what I kind of want to touch on a little bit. We as a church need to maybe rethink a little bit. Maybe we need to ponder our situation. And I want us to take a inward look. So many times we're looking outward, and that's what we started with. We, we, we look outward, and we see the troubles and the messes that are going on, and I want us to look inward a little bit this morning. If I was going to title the message, which I did, I used to always say, if I was going to title the message, it would be this, and they always say, well, why didn't you? So I, we titled the message, and it's the Christless Christian culture. Think about it for a minute. The Christless Christian culture. I don't know how many times that I go through 
you know, a week and in the different places that we've been, the years that we've been involved in ministry, and talking to people, and it seems like everybody you run into, they are Christian. We live in a Christian nation. I know that some have said in the past number of years we're a post-Christian nation. We have still been a Christian nation. We're struggling, though. We are struggling with that. I talk to many people and they'll tell me, oh yes, I'm a Christian. And the Bible really does speak about that if you are a Christian, that you able, should be able to be detected by your fruits. And many of those that, that say that they're Christian are, are void of any of the fruits that the Bible speaks about. We say that we're a Christian, but yet we're probably the number one leaders in killing babies, killing the unborn. We're a Christian nation, but it's becoming more popular and increasingly um, in numbers that homosexuals are conducting the services. We're a Christian nation, and yet we've kind of become a little desensitized to where I hear people that are, are talking about being Christians and living immorally, living in sin. Many say that they are Christians in their words, but they do not hold to the truth of the word of God. And it is so important because if the church is going to be effective, if we are going to see the power, the glory of God, if you want God's help in your life, then we've got to come to a place where we realize we must adhere to the truths of God's word in our lives. We must, we must walk and live and talk the way that Christ wants us to. He led us an example and we must follow the example that he's given us. In our Christless culture, I've, I've seen that you know, you're watching the riots on, on, the, on the newscast and you, we live in such a hateful day. I just, it just blows me away sometimes at the hate that I see when you can have people that can go and, and beat an elderly person for no real apparent reason. When I can see, I, Susanna was telling me, the co, uh, co-worker of hers, she works at Walmart, and she was telling me a co-worker of her the, the other day, they were standing in line in Walgreens. And while the, the gal was standing in line, she was behind an elderly person and there was two of the two younger per people, her co-workers, and they were kind of cutting up and jesting, you know, and whatnot. Well, they got a little too close to the elderly woman, and the elderly woman kind of looked at her. Well, finally, she, the elderly woman looked, looked at the elder, elderly woman, looked at the, the young gals, and this, she said, well, you are not social distancing. Okay, and for you, that if you're out there in your cars and you're listening, you're going to miss half the message because I talk with my hands. I'm sorry. <laughs> so the lady continued her transaction, finished her transaction, and on her way out the door, she turned around to those young women. She says, I hope you die. Whoa. Where in the world does that come from? 
And yet, even some of these same people will say, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we're Christian. I don't know about that lady. I'm not saying that in specific, but I'm just amazed at the hate that can come out and that, that we're seeing come out from, from our nation. The Christless Christian culture embraces worldly values. And this is where the church we sometimes struggle with because it is when you're preached to day after day after day by the world how you should live and how you should act and it's on the media and it's on the radio and it's, on, it's in, the, in the workplace and you hear it continually. Sometimes we come to where we almost become desensitized and immune to the fact that we're supposed to live differently and we begin to adapt the worldly values that many others live by. We begin, all of a sudden, we're wondering, well, is church necessary? We see the Christless culture, they, they, they disregard Bible reading and praying. It's, it's no longer something that is needed to be done. You can, you can even be a Christian and not go to church and pray and read. I've, I've met a lot of those. I've met a lot of Christians say they're Christians and they don't pray, they don't read their Bibles, they don't go to church. Are those necessary? Well, the Bible is kind of pretty clear on a lot of that. The Christless Christian culture accepts sin. Well, that's just the way it is nowadays. I often find it ironic that we find the adulterers, the, the drunkards, the liars, even the pedophiles calling themselves practicing Christians. That's a sad day. That's a sad day, church. We think that how we live in, the, in a Christless Christian culture, they think that how we, we live, we act, when we talk, it just, it just doesn't matter. You know, God's not, he's, he's a loving God. He's, just, he's not just that concerned about those little small things, choices that we make. And in our Christless Christian culture, we've been picking and choosing what we want for our own self-serve gospel. There's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians that are doing a lot of picking and choosing. They decide, oh, I want this out of the word of God and this is good for me. And it's, it's, like, they, it's like going to a big buffet. And they're heaping on, they want to heap on the blessings of God. <laughs> I'll take some of that. You ever go to have you take your kids to the buffet? Boy, I tell you what, that dessert. That dessert buffet, I mean, they're drawn to that before they get drawn to anything else. My kids are like, ooh, have you ever seen anything like that? Mom, don't let us eat like that. And you go right to the dessert and you want to heap on those desserts. Well, living in the Christless Christian culture, it's like we want to heap on the blessings of God, but we never want to put the effort in to serving God the way that he has called us to serve. I want to get right to the scripture now. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 7. Have we ever seen this ever happen? Have we ever heard of this happening in history before? Let's go back to Jeremiah. That's where I want to start. The answer would probably be yes, because human nature is a lot of uh, the same over years. 
chapter 7, we're going to, chap, to start in verse 23. The children of Israel found themselves in a situation. They were religious. They were going to the temple and they were sacrificing. They were attending their rituals and their traditions. As I said, they were religious. They were practicing. They were taking their sacrifices, but there was something wrong with that picture. Verse 23 says, but this one thing I commanded them, saying, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Walk ye in, do you see what that word is, if you have your Bibles? Walk ye in, A-L-L, all the ways that I have commanded you, that it will be well with you. But they hearkened not, or they didn't listen. They inclined, nor did they incline their ear, but they walked in the counsels and the imagination of their evil heart and went backward, not forward. Pastor talked about this, little, this a little bit last week when he talked about how many times that when we begin to live for God and then we, we fall away, we always go back to those original sins that we're usually entrapped with. We have to be careful as a church that we are not going backwards that we are pressing forward. They didn't want you to incline their ear to listen to God and his commandments. They felt like God's commandments were grievous. They saw the culture of the pagan world and they thought that they should incorporate the pagan world rituals and worship into their own lifestyles. So here they were practicing and taking sacrifices to the temple, and, and, and at one point, God tells him, he says, obedience is better than your sacrifices. Since the day, verse 25, that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have sent to you, unto you all my servants the prophets daily, rising up early and sending them, but you did not hearken unto me nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck, and they did worse than their fathers. Therefore thou shalt speak to all these words unto them, that they, but they will not hearken to you. You shall call unto them, but they will not answer you. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeys not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receives correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Cut off thine hair, O Jerusalem, cast it away, and take up a lamentation. That means to be mournful, be sorrowful in the high places. The Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of his, of his wrath. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord, and they have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. Do you remember the scripture in the New Testament that says that you are the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost? Many of us have done no differently than Israel and we have entered, allowed abominations and pollutions into our tabernacles. No different than the children of Israel. Here they were, they were practicing and they wanted to 
They wanted the blessings of God. They wanted to be able to call out to God and God to answer them. But at the same time, they wanted to participate in the pagan culture. They wanted to dance in their groves. They wanted to create their own gods. They had gods of fertility and gods of prosperity, god of finances, god of wealth. They had every type of god the pagans did. And, the, and because many times we don't receive from God exactly the way we think God should be working for us, then we decide to make up our own rules and our own gods, no different than the children of Israel, and we pollute the temple of the Holy Ghost. We need to be careful, church. For God has called the church to unto holiness and unto righteousness, a people that are to be separated unto himself. Well, we look through this and we say, how did our nation, how did the church get to where we are today? I believe in my heart that we, it happened when we started living for ourselves rather than living for Christ. When we began to, in, to, to feel like everything should be about us rather than to be about Christ, we'll find ourselves in a crisis. The children of Israel found themselves in a crisis because they began to incorporate everything that they wanted, every evil imagination, Every thought, desire that they wanted, they embraced. And they thought God would be okay with that? Well, as we read, God was not okay with that. God's a jealous God. When we, as a nation, began in the, what, in the 50s, and we took prayer out of the schools, we began to diminish God's importance, and we began to... Put more sports, less God. I'm going to pick on some. I'm not going to try and clothesline, but you understand what I'm saying. Our focus was off of trying to raise children as godly, moral people and to entertain them. And the church has followed the same pattern. Rather than to, for, and I'm not saying this particular church, I'm taking a church society and us individually in our lives have taken on to where we would rather incorporate the pleasures and the entertainments rather than to live a life that is sacrificed, dedicated, holy unto God. We live for ourselves. How many times do we go to some place and we get what we want? We live in a day where you can go to any church you want because there's a church on every corner. You can go to any restaurant you want to. You might not go in today because of COVID, but you can go to any restaurant you want to. We can, you can order anything you want to online. There's all types of helps and programs out there. It's in abundance. That's so that... It, we can live for ourselves very easily. Recently, I was one of the protests that I had, saw, had seen on, on the, uh, one of the news, on the podcast, thank you. What do you call that device? <laughs> podcast. On the podcast, I saw there's a, there was a, a, a gal 
She was sitting on top of the car. Now, there's, there's brawling going on. There's two sides. They're fighting against each other. There's brawling going on. And this gal sitting on top of her car. She's in a, in a yoga position. I can't do that. She's in a yoga position. And she has uh, markings and different things. And, and uh, she's holding a Bible. And so the, a fellow comes up, hey, hey, I see that you got your Bible. You know, what are you out here doing? I'm, I'm out here and I'm distributing positive energies and peaceful energies into this place. And we're like, ooh, yeah. He's like, oh, he says, well, and, and what religion are you? I'm all religions. Well, what do you do with that Bible? Well, I'm in, and, and by what scriptures are you going by? I include everything. It's all inclusive to bring peace to everybody. I'm sending out peace energies. I'm like, okay. We have gone way too far to include things that are not according to the word of God. Our crisis comes when we serve ourselves and stop serving Christ. Many people are, we, we become people in just ourselves. We have, to, we have to watch ourselves. We become religious in our words, religious on the outward, but God's more concerned with the inward. The Pharisees were ones that the Jewish, Jewish sect of the time that Christ was there in, uh, on the earth. And they were always, always coming and trying to entrap Jesus in his words. They were religious. They were high-minded. They knew the, and they did, they knew the law. They also knew how to get around the law, and they also were people that would hold you to the law when they themselves did not have to adhere to it. And so much today we see is similar. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to start with verse 9. And he's and talking about Christ. And Christ spoke this parable, he spoke this parable unto the unto certain which trusted in themselves. That's an important part of the scripture. That they were righteous and despised others. Wow. There's a lot of people that are trusting in themselves that they're okay. That they don't need to listen to nor adhere to the word of God that they do not live, need to live by a godly standard because they trust themselves. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee, I am not like other people. <laughs> Have you ever looked at somebody that way? Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. We're all guilty. <laughs> I am what out of soul back there. <laughs> we, we, we all have. If for any of us to say otherwise, I'll pray for you. 
I thank you that I'm not as other men, um, as other men are extortioners, or they taking advantage of people. I'm glad I'm not like the unjust people or the adulterers, and I'm glad I'm not even like the publican. For I, I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And I make sure everybody sees it when I put it in the box. They didn't say that, but. And the, the publican, he was standing afar off, and he would not even so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but he struck his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We're nothing without Christ. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I need him more than I need him any time of my life before. This publican, he realized what he was. Sometimes in our Pharisaic attitudes, we stand up and judge and critical and scornful and pious, thinking that we can justify ourselves. But the publican, he says, I tell you that this man went down to his house, verse 14, justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. We kind of need to turn the picture around a little bit. We need to make sure that we're not engaging in a Christless Christian culture. We need to make certain that we're engaging in a Christ-centered culture. He should be our everything. He should be the center and the focus of our lives. He should be what we focus on in the morning when we go to bed, when we're teaching our children, when we're going to our workplace. He should be our focus of our lives every moment of the day to serve him, to love him, to honor him with everything that is within us. The Pharisees were ones that they wanted to justify themselves. They were very good about that. They could justify themselves and make excuses. They could hold everybody else to the law and make excuses for why they did not have to live according to the God's standard and his commandments. Many of us have made up our own gods. We, our nation is known to have its gods of pleasures. We live for pleasure and entertainment. We, we are a society. Does, the God, does that mean God doesn't want us to, to have fun? No. And if you know the shell trials, you know that's not true. But what are we living for? We begin to see the, the beginning of a death culture. People that are unhappy, they're riotous, they're hateful, they're spiteful, they have no joy, they have no peace. Romans 5 or eight, five through seven says this, for they that who are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's our human nature. 
Those who pay attention to our, our human nature and the only things that we want to desire, that's what you're going to be paying attention to. That's what you're going to be overwhelmed by and consumed by. But those who mind the things of the spirit are spiritually minded, do mind the, spirit, the things of the spirit. We can counter the death culture, which is the Christless Christian culture. It's also a death culture because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We can counter that culture by living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. For the Bible says also in Romans 8, it says, for to be carnally minded is death. If we as a church want to be successful in, in, in engaging and seeing lives transformed for the kingdom of God, if we want to have passion and if we want to have fervor, if we want to have burdens for the lost, then we need to be able to be walking according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. It's so easy for the flesh to take over. I tell you what, it's easy to give in to ourselves. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to live for ourselves. That's easy. Galatians 5.19, you can turn to it or I'll just read it. It says, now the works of the flesh are this. Okay. The Christless Christian era does not want to adhere to this standard that I'm fixing to read to you. We want to have the blessings of God, but not live according to the word of God. The works of the flesh of our own human nature, the things that our flesh desires are this, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Do you know what lasciviousness is? It's very lewd and lustful. Boy, do we live in a, a culture that that is that way today. Idolatry. And we say, oh, well, we don't have our own gods. Oh, yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, we do. Witchcraft, hatred. Well, like I was telling you earlier, this woman, just that hatred. The variance. Variance is a, a, a dissension, a division, a disagreeable spirit. The works of the flesh are divisions, strife, jealousy, wrath. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelings. You know what revelings is? Wild, fun time, carousing, noisy, partying type of culture. Oops. Oops. You mean that's not part of the Christian culture? No, no, it's not. For the, the scripture says, Those, they, they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom. Satan will come every single day of your life to entice you to live for yourself. He'll give you opportunity every single day to live for yourself. And he'll also begin to tell you that there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with just living for yourselves. He'll also provide you opportunities for you to be self-serving 
and to make up your own belief systems. And he'll tell you, he'll try to convince you that that's okay. We desire to heap unto ourselves blessings, but we don't want to put the effort to serve him. You know, we've, we've seen, we see a society that is intoxicated with themselves, with ourselves. We are intoxicated with ourselves. But we want to begin to generate a Christ-centered culture. And so I want to give you a few scriptures, and I'm going to try and go through this quickly. Are you getting tired? Do you need to stand up for a moment? Your eyes getting heavy yet? And sometimes I get tired while I'm sitting there. My eyes get heavy. It's okay. Sometimes we gotta, we got to put ourselves to death while we're sitting on that pew. That's <laughs> just the way it is, guys. I mean, you get tired. You worked all week. And I, first time, I, mean, I remember when I had all the little ones. They were all so small ages. And I go to church, and the first thing that happened to me when I sat down, because I never sat still, was that my eyes would just close. You know, that just happens. It's, it's okay. It just happens. And then there's sometimes you think about right now. It's about 1130. My stomach's growling. Is yours growling yet? <laughs> it's because I didn't feed him this morning. <laughs> so about right now, you know, sermon's got a little long, you get a little hungry, we start thinking about ourselves. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I'm getting a little hungry, I need to go out to eat. Got well, hang with me just a little bit. We need to, we want to finish, give you some, I don't want to leave you hanging in the death culture, okay? I don't want to leave you hanging there. I want, you, I want us to, to know how we can counter the culture and how we can generate a Christ-centered culture. Matthew 16, 25 says, If any man will come after me, let him... Oh, this is a hard one, guys. Are you ready? Let him deny himself. Oh, that one hurts. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The scripture, this particular scripture is very clear that we are to live for Christ, not to live for ourselves. It's very clear. Galatians 2.20, it's okay. I've had lots of them like that. <laughs> I'm just glad they're here. You know, I, I, we, in, the, in church in Nelson, many times we had, we had elderly people. And invariably they came in and they would fall asleep. I'm like, that's okay. A lot of these folks don't sleep all night long. They feel the peace of God. So if I have a kid or a young, if somebody falls asleep, I'm not offended by that whatsoever. They feel the peace of God. They're at peace. They can sleep. That's okay. God will speak to their hearts. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Do you know what crucified means? Put to death. It hurts. It's painful. Sometimes dying to ourselves and living for Christ, sometimes it's painful. You have to say no to yourselves. Imagine that. You have to say no to yourself. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You will find yourself powerless to be able to live the Christian Christ-centered culture without Christ. Christ is the difference that he makes in our lives. He gives us the power over sin. 
What we couldn't do by ourselves when we tried to be good and we tried in all our efforts to, to adhere and, and to, to follow certain moral compasses and we couldn't do is because Christ is not center of our lives. When Christ is center of our lives, he becomes everything. He's the power within our lives to overcome sin and addictions, troublesome thoughts and areas, depression and the likes of it because the power of Christ in our lives is able to make us overcomers because we are overcomers through Christ. We've been made more than conquerors through him. It is possible to live a Christ-centered life even in a Christless Christian culture. Romans 6, 11 through 13, neither, neither yield yourselves or your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and it, yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. What are you going to yield yourself to? What are you going to obey? Are you going to obey your flesh and yourself? Or are we going to be allow Christ to have dominion in our hearts and lives and let him reign? Shall we serve Christ today or shall we serve ourselves? Galatians 5.24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts thereof. Now, some of you older people, I'm not included in this one, okay? <laughs> Think that that lust is just for the young people. No. No, lust is just having a, a, a strong passion and desire. And it, it could be for football. It could be for food. It could be for sexual pleasures. It's, it's, it's more than just a youthful lust. Okay, we need to guard our hearts, you know. John 14, verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know when you eat too much, sometimes you get indigestion? Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> Never have, have you? Okay. I have experienced it a time or two in my life. <laughs> So today I've given you a lot of, a lot of scripture, a lot of, a, a lot of food, a lot of scripture word. I hope you don't get spiritual indigestion from too much word, but the word is necessary to keep us alive, to keep us on track, to keep our minds geared, to keep our hearts tender, to keep the burden for the lost in, in vision. You might say, well, Sue, why, why does all this matter? Well, I want you to know something. I want to give you the good, the good news. The reason this matters, it matters is because you matter to Christ. Your life matters greatly to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In fact, your life matters so much that he's even numbered the hairs on your head, as Pastor Darrell said last week. That's how much you're, you matter to him. He even, yeah, you're a little short, but it's okay. He still loves you. Just, think, just because you have more hair or less hair doesn't mean he loves, loves you more or less, okay? You're okay, Garth. <laughs> he loves us. If he, if he cares about a sparrow that falls from the ground, don't you think your life matters to him? 
We're hearing a lot of things that matters in the news nowadays. Some of them I just I can't go to because it's too political. And we don't do that in church. But I want to tell you what really matters is Christ. Okay? What really matters is Christ. We matter to him, so if we matter to him, shouldn't what he desires matter to us? When we pray, we ask him to help us because we, we feel that our lives matter to him and he cares enough to, to answer our prayer. Shouldn't what he desires and what he longs for, shouldn't what is stated in the word of God, that the directions, the guidance that he's given us, shouldn't that matter to us? I would think it should. Galatians 5 is, talks about to, to being spiritual minded, and we talked about that. And let's talk about being spiritually minded. What does, what's this picture of spiritually minded look like? Spiritually minded is when we desire more of God and more of Christ than we desire of ourselves. When we want what he wants, not just what we want. Being spiritually minded means to desire more understanding of God's word. It means that we, we want to search out the word of God. We want to know more of the word of God. We want to search it out. That's to be spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded means that we want to go and participate in worship services because we know the presence of God convicts us of sin and it also softens our heart and hearts and it draws us closer to him. To be spiritually minded means is a, a picture of a mom and dad that's concerned about their children that they don't go to hell and they instruct them in the ways of God that they might admonish them to live for Christ. Spiritually minded is a grandpa and grandma that gets down on the knees and intercedes for their children. It's to be spiritually minded is a church that comes together that prays and intercedes for the lost, that reaches the, those that, that, that don't know Christ. To be spiritually minded is to be on the workforce and to be out on the work job and to be able to share and declare the works and testimonies of God that what God has done in your life. That's to be spiritually minded. And the Bible says those who are spiritually minded, that is life and peace. That's where our joy comes from. Christ left us an example that we should follow. He came that we might have life. Why does it matter? Because Christ came. Just, just, and just listen to this for just a second. Christ came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. And why does it matter? Why should we serve Christ? Why should we put him at the forefront of our lives and center our lives around him? Why should we do that? Maybe it's so that we might have peace. Maybe it's so that we can have salvation. So we can have power over sin and death. So he can deliver us from darkness. So he can destroy the power of sin over our lives. So he can bring us victory to fill our hearts with love, to bless us, to love us, to protect us, to deliver us from our enemies, to conquer fear, to bring freedom from shame and guilt, to give us opportunity to live with him for eternity, also that he would be a friend, a father, sister, brother, mother, whatever we have need of. That's why we want to serve Christ. That's why it matters. God has been so good to us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If we, the Spirit said anything to, to my life today, is that we are careful, take a carefulness about how we live. 
how do you spend your time? What are you consumed with? What's your thoughts consumed with? Are your thoughts and your, and your actions consumed with pleasing Christ, living for Christ, living according to God's word, knowing his word? You can't live according or live for God if you don't know what he wants and how he wants you to live. Let there be a carefulness amongst all of us. You know, those hours that we spend scrolling through Facebook, watching podcasts. Do any of you do that? Hmm. Maybe not too many do that here. Watching TV, movies. We can spend, we can have a lot of hours consumed of ourselves, what we want. Church, let's Let's serve Christ. Let's get back to that place where we come to the, willing to die of ourselves, to gather around the altars, to kneel, to intercede, to pray, to search his word out, to reach out to our neighbors, to help the lost, to love those that are unlovely. Let's come back to that place of Christ being the center of our lives. Lord, this morning we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, O oh God. We thank you that you stir us, O oh God. I pray, O oh God, that you stir our hearts and you prick our hearts, O oh God. Help us, O oh God, and I pray that we come to the place, O oh God, of repentance, Lord, of humbleness, of humility, O oh God. Realizing, O oh God, that we in ourselves are nothing, but you are everything, O oh God. I pray as we go out through this week that we might be more mindful, Lord Jesus, to to embrace you, your thoughts, your ways, your desires, your plans for our lives, oh God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to overcome the flesh, oh God, to die to our own wants and desires, to our own addictions and habits, oh God. Pray that you'd set free the captives, oh God, those who've tried, oh God, but have failed, but God, that they would come alive through the power of Christ right now, today, that they would find victory, oh God, as you give them power over sin, power over the flesh, power over the enemy, oh God, we pray. Oh God, help us walk in victory and it will help us to walk as a godly and a holy church, yielding ourselves to righteousness, oh God, we pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord, that you laid down your life for us that we might lay down ours for you. Thank you for the wonderful price that you paid for us. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We give you glory. Lord, you gave all. Help us to give all. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you go with each and every one this week, Lord Jesus. Let the mind of Christ be in them this, this week. Let the word of God come alive, O oh God, and give them opportunities, each one, to share and declare your wonderful works. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and we give you praise. Amen.